0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at We Are Libertarians.com.
1: All right, let's get back
2: to some boring subjects. Understand the risks to our country. Freedom brings
0: people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at We Are Libertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spangle thank you for joining us today we have a special guest this is dion curry my co-host over at the pat down podcast he also hosts uh, co-host now that's debatable and sorry we're canceled and we're going to talk about black history month so we'll get started with that in just one moment warning this show is for adults by semi-adults so the language is sometimes strong and offensive Ah, uh, I don't know what I said, ah! Uh. Welcome to the Chris Bangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host... Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, you're listening to the Chris Spangle Show, and I am Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. If you're new to uh, all of this and you don't know who the heck I am, you can check us out, check me out at chris-spangle.com. Before we start, I want to thank all of the members of Wall Plus, W A L Plus, as they're the reason the show and network exist. And you can support the show by visiting joinwallplus.com and you'll learn about all of the great benefits of subscribing. Thank you especially to our $100 a month members, John Pusilo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Thank you to every Wall Plus subscriber for keeping the We Are Libertarians podcast network thriving. So many great shows on the network. The Brian Nichols show, On the Run, Gingerarchy, On the Run with uh Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann. So many great shows. Check all those out at We're Libertarians.com. Today we are joined by Dion Curry. No, I have not replaced Harry with Dion, and I almost said Harry, how's it going? But I know that'd be offensive, Dion.
3: <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> and then Reinhold is also here. Reinhold, how are you? I'm doing well. So Dion and I, and Harry will be along any minute now, I'm sure. He's just running he, he's running behind. He's got a toddler. It's just, I'm sure it's a mess over there right now. Uh, so Dion and I are co-hosts on the Pat Down podcast with Miss Pat. We met through the comedy circuit. And Dion, before we met, and you just watched my social media, what was your opinion of me? And I want you to be brutally honest today. <laughs> Everything we talk about, tell the people what you thought about my libertarian ass.
3: So it's funny, like we, we have like semi-mutual friends, um, and all of them hated you because of your stance on, on teacher's pay. Um, <laughs> I had, you and I don't think had ever really had a more than, hey, how are you conversation um, in person Meeting at uh, the comedy club, so I had only known you through your um, posts about what was going on in the news or your takes on politics. So I, I at back then I didn't really pay you that much of an attention. Uh, it wasn't until Miss Pat like brought us together that I was like, "Oh, this
0: guy's a real asshole." <laughs> <laughs> Why why was I, I didn't, I never tried to be an asshole to you.
3: No, no, no. That's not what I mean. Like I just, your point of view to me came off as someone who um, didn't care. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I actually got to know you that I I understood your point of view and where, where you come from. And I was like, oh, he's not an asshole. He just doesn't know the other side of it.
0: Yeah. So like, for instance, I want teachers to be paid a ton of money. I just don't like teachers unions, you know, so it's, it's if you, if you don't pay attention, I think sometimes, especially for those of us who come from the right or are libertarians, when you're talking to somebody who may identify more at the left, you know, and, and vice versa, I mean, there's always misunderstandings, but like when we first met, and it's Black History Month, um, which is, and this whole episode was Harry's idea, because he's like, you know what we should do, let's talk Black History Month with Dion. I wanted to have you on for a while, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, you know, but you don't like – you actually wake up and you watch the show, do you not? You watch almost every weekend, you, it seems like.
3: If I don't catch it live, I definitely watch it on replay.
0: Yeah, and you should definitely go check out Now That's Debatable, uh, which is a really great show where they talk politics, uh, and it's really solid podcast. And as well, check out the Pat Down podcast. I mean, that's, that's where Dion and I met and have gotten to know each other, and it's – the funniest podcast on the planet, like 85, 90% of that's Miss Pat, but Dion and I are funny too. And, uh, you know, through that podcast, we've had a lot of conversations about race, both off air and on air um, over the last two years. Yeah, here, here's Harry. Where are you at, bro? He's he's he can make it onto the Twitch stream, but he can't make it onto the stream yard here. Um
2: I talked to him last night, he was like, I'll get up early for the podcast, so I don't know what happened. He's he's
3: pulling the old CP
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> oh Harry, I'm so sorry. It's not his fault. I it's I sent it to Facebook instead of Slack. So once again, this is my fault. Uh, I did not send it to normal place, so he's just sitting there thinking Wow. What an a-hole
2: place. Yeah. The special place that he demands it be placed.
0: i I forgot. I was, I was way ahead of myself today. My ADD kicked in. Uh, there we go. All right. Sorry, Harry. Uh, I will make a public apology to Harry when he arrives. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think my views on race, it's, I, I didn't, think about it, <laughs> you know, and and I didn't have to, uh, I can think exactly, of you know, I think that's where it, it, it's not that I was racist. I never harbored any negative feelings towards any people of color. It's just like, just wasn't in my field of concern, right? Like, I think most people tend to to be concerned with what's right in front of them and what affects them, and they don't think about how that affects other people or if other people have concerns necessarily. And so, you know, being a part of the pat-down and, and talking to tens of thousands of black people for two years on a daily basis, I, I've learned a lot and grown a lot, I think, and I think our conversations have helped you in a lot of ways too, I mean, when I listened back to some of those first episodes where we talk about race, I was terrified because Dion. I didn't know how to talk about race, and I didn't particularly want to because I didn't want to be thought of as a racist. Right. Well, look who it is.
3: Speaking of racists, hi Harry. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Harry, it sounds like your your mic may be on the computer mic, but uh, I'd like my my black co-host to meet my other black co-host uh (laughs) um harry was like the first person who brought race into my field of vision because harry and i have never talked about that kind of stuff but like when we did we finally started talking about it i started to see like my my like my view of the world or or the way that i operate in it is much different than harry's you know, I mean, Harry. We had a conversation about police brutality after Ferguson, and you go, "I am scared to, when I leave my house every single time." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You think because you have to. It,
1: it's just a different mindset. Like I, I remember like one time, I'm like I, got pulled over for speeding, and I just had my gun in my hip, and I, and when I got pulled over, it was like, "Well, this is it. I'm done. I'm out. This is how I'm going." <laughs> And like the, and I'm sitting there with the cop and it goes like just give me your ID. I'm like, my ID is in my wallet. Well grab it. My gun is in my hip. I'm not <laughs> I'm sitting there just petrified in fear, like, yep, this is how I'm go. Back road of Indianapolis, just done.
0: Yeah, and I've never until about a year and a half ago never had that experience with a police officer. <laughs> you know? Um But I, I want to. We want to talk about Black History Month, and we're going to start with a story on it. But I wonder, what do you two think of Black History Month? Like, I've heard arguments that it's condescending, and it's like the shortest month. And then there's talk like, no, we need to have these conversations. Like, do you have opinions on Black History Month, Dion? We'll start with the guest.
3: Yeah, I mean, Black History Month wasn't a black person's idea. So, you know, that's why it happens in February. They always try to say, "Oh, it's cuz of, you know, Martin Luther King and and Abraham Lincoln and all these birthdays and it's like, no, that's not. Come on, guys. Like, don't bullshit us. Of all the months of the year, why the fuck would you pick February? It's the shortest, it's the coldest. Black people hate being cold. Like, it just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It, it literally makes no sense. Um I just for me personally, Black History Month has always been kind of like, a, oh, let's learn about these four same people for 12 years and, you know, <laughs> make a difference. And it's like, come on, man. How many times do I have to hear the Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Thurgood Marshall and, you know,
0: Harry's Booker T. About-
3: Washington? It's like, come on.
0: Oh, in Plainfield, we never even got to Booker T. Washington or you got George Washington Carver. The which, which
3: people get him and Booker T. Washington right. confused all the time.
0: We did actually in high school talk about Marcus Garvey, and that's when it got – I was like, all right, okay. That's surprising
3: to me to yeah. hear that, that Plainfield was talking about Marcus Garvey.
0: Yeah, so Plainfield's 98% white and 2% Muslim. And then uh, when Ms. Pat and her family moved to Plainfield, like they – quadrupled the black population in my hometown you know I grew up in a very suburban town and what I've come to learn about suburbs and and maybe not in Indianapolis necessarily but a lot of like established eastern cities especially when you had second generation immigrant third generation immigrant families like the Irish who had settled in the late 1800s early 1900s they, they had become more successful, and then once black families moved in the Great Migration to their neighborhoods, they said, see ya, I'm out of here, and moved to the suburbs and set up the suburbs. And that's the culture that a lot of us grow up in, is a 98% white town without the same concerns. And so you don't have conversations with people of different cultures or colors or religions. You know, my, my experience with that 2% Muslim population after 9-11 forever changed my view. And, and I saw the bigotry firsthand after 9-11, you know, towards my Muslim classmates and best friends after they had grown up with us. You know, my best friend saying about my other best friend, he's got nuclear weapons in the bottom of his mosque and Plainfield. I'm like, what well, you know these guys. Like, what are you talking about? You know, so it's, uh, I think that's part of the problem is that we've separated ourselves and don't have conversations like we've been able to have on the pat-down uh Harry, what do you think about Black History Month?
1: Uh yeah, uh Dion's right. No black person would have picked February. This is this is <laughs> just, just to placate the uh the, the dark people so they like, look, we gave you a month, but yeah, cause yeah, because we probably would have took June or July, something we could get outside, maybe mm-hmm. have a picnic on. But no, not that's this cold month. Uh the one thing it does, I, I say, like it does allows people to. Ref- I try to use this whole month to reflect because you can get a lot of white people really wanting to listen to you this this, this month, because and you can actually. Explain All right, so it let's move on to the next. <laughs> just kidding Harry. go on talk and bring up other parts of the history and then so they don't like because especially like uh especially a lot of white people they like to rabbit hole and not want to go past 1963 and wants to talk about everything else that happened before that you know there's some bad and there's some good things that happened before that and it's good to talk about those things and then also understand that black history also doesn't start you know and you know In the Americas, there's other things that black people did in the ancient world in in, in the 1500s and 1400s over there in the quote unquote old world. So
0: this takes us to Maria Montessori Academy in North Ogden, Utah, and uh, there was a letter sent out to all the parents with an opt out form for parents to fill out uh, because they didn't want to teach their kids black history and black history month. Uh, And several families actually signed the form, and this form was filled out because many of the parents were offended that Black History Month was being taught at the schools. Uh, This sounds like critical race theory to me, Dion. Um, So it it got reversed after the NAACP got involved, but, you know... I never in my, like, Black History Month was celebrated at Plainfield where I grew up. And of course, yeah, you're right. We learned about Harriet Tubman. We learned about Frederick Douglass. We learned about Lincoln freeing the slaves. You know, you didn't get into Lincoln being a white supremacist, uh, but you learned what, a you know, you learned all these great moments in history where... We let them become free, right? You learn about Martin Luther King. You look, you know, it, it's from a certain condescending point of view, and it doesn't get into what Harry's talking about, which was, you know, you know, the long lineage of black people, and now there is a con, a conversation going between the 1619 project and the 1776 project, and the critical race theory and cancel culture and all this stuff. It just seems uh, to me, in a lot of ways, these. While there are some decent points in some of it, there's also a lot of, like, excuses to get out of having difficult conversations. Um, when you guys hear that Black History Month is being canceled at a school because it's offensive, like, what are your first thoughts, Dion?
3: Why go out of your way to show you're racist? <laughs> 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 like, why, you know, why would you? why would you be against learning? american history just because it's black that doesn't make any sense to me harry what about you yeah, yeah it's uh, it's more of
1: a i don't know like if it's part of a curriculum no nah, no nah, it's just racist no nah, i was trying to try to stick up for it, but no nah, i don't understand it it's more of a just just they have the opportunity to to grow and be better and they decide to go a different route unless they want to show something that they're not doing, you know, they're doing something better for it, but they're probably not. They're probably just not wanting to do it because they don't want to ruffle some sensibilities.
0: Yeah. Dion. I mean, you've, you've talked a lot about this. Um, Like, why would you hide from knowledge?
3: Yeah. It's, it's an emotional cost that a lot of people don't want to pay uh, because when you have to accept the, the ignorance that you've held your whole life it, it it can weigh on you it's it's a hard thing to to learn that oh shit i've been doing life wrong for a very very long time like people's natural reaction to that new information is to shut down i don't want to go through these feelings of guilt and anger and hurt and sadness because this is what i've known my whole life and now you're telling me that it's it's been wrong and and if you don't believe that you've done anything wrong then Absolutely. It comes as a great shock and offense to you. What I don't understand about this school in particular is um, why, what reason would you have to not want to know that knowledge? It doesn't cost you anything. It's not it's not hurting anyone. You're 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 actually disenfranchising your own children by not teaching them the actual history of this country. When, when it comes to, you know, their, their peer group. I mean, at, at some point, you're going to meet a black person, hopefully. Um, I would hate for somebody to live their whole life in America and not ever once meet a black person. You,
0: you could, and you kind of make this point in the, the most recent episode of Now That's Debatable. Like, my great-grandparents, born in 1913, lived in southern Indiana, came to Indianapolis in the 1970s, are on an elevator with my dad, so in the 1970s, by this point, they're in their 50s, 60s, you know, near 70s, and a black guy walks on the elevator, and my great-grandmother leans over and goes, Miles, there's a Negro. And my dad said that was the first time they had ever met a black person. And you you could kind of get away with that maybe in, like, the early 1900s, but, like, in the information age, Dion, it's a lot harder to hide from all of this stuff.
3: Uh, yeah, it's it's... Because it is everywhere, but at the same time, if you don't have the mindset for it, if you don't have the care for it, then it's not going to be something that you seek out. What I always try to tell people is accept who you are and own who you are. Don't lie to people about who you are as a person. When you get information, it's your responsibility to do with it what you're supposed to. If, If I tell you, hey, this thing is happening that you didn't know about before, you get that information. Now it's on you to either A, go research it or B, deny it. You, you can do whichever one you like, but if you are going to deny it, you have to own that. and You have to stand by it. If If you're going to be one of those people who say, oh, that's not true, but you didn't do any research on it and you didn't take the time to go find out why you think it's not true. And then you have to own everything that comes with that and that that's including the labels that's what i that's what really pisses me off about people is like oh you can't label me a racist i'm like why you you're doing racist things
0: so give us an example of like seeing information ignoring it mo- being willfully ignorant you know versus whole, dealing with the it
3: the whole black lives matter police brutality thing is a prime example people say oh the statistics say that white people get killed by police more i'm like the- the problem is police brutality. It doesn't matter who they're brutalizing. Like, see, you, you, you took it because you heard it was Black people and you dismissed it because you think it happens to white people more. And, like, that, that's the point. It, it does happen to white people more. But you guys don't have a problem with it the way we do because it, does, it, it doesn't affect your life the way it affects ours. The trauma that police brutality uh, creates for Black people is something that affects all their relationships, why is it more impactful? Because these one, you're targeted. Two, you're supposed to be able to trust these people, and you can't. Three, um, it, it's it's a learned fear. It's a learned fear based in racism. Like it's it's just another. It's just another reminder of who you are in this country. Like they don't see you as. Americans, They see you as black Americans. And, and that's the life that we have to live until people get on board and like, yo, we need to change this.
0: Uh, either yeah. one of you, Reinhold, you can jump Be- into. We'll allow the white man to speak to if you'd like. But Harry, you first. uh the- <laughs> No, because it's just the same thing.
1: Just like while cops like busting people for marijuana, it's easy to pick out. It makes the same thing easy for them. All right, let's go get that dark guy over there. He easily sticks out like a a sore thumb. And -hmm. with all the different rules and regulations in in place, it's easy to find something, a law that that person broke to get him out of here or just to help out their quotas. You know, Uh, you can look at all the different statistics and and people can look at it. But yes, white people are impacted by police brutality, too, and they should be also equally upset. Said about it, just like uh, people of uh, like who have like a, a mental disabilities, e- uh, people who are handicapped, they also get impacted by the exact same system. And I understand that some people get turned off with the term, just let's just saying Black Lives Matter and going after police brutality. I get it. I, I also don't like the idea of just putting the word black in front of it. It 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 because it, it is very jarring and tries to make a separated line, but. I just want people to focus on the main issue that, like, priest brutality is something that does happen in the way that uh, laws enforcement, the way the cops come at people. Uh, it's the main reason, like, I'm right here now, I'm living in a small town here in Indiana. You know, I, I think one of the first things I would try to do was try to make sure my tags said that said that I belong in that small town, because before it did, I got pulled over like three different times coming out here you know and trying to show like no no no, i own a house out here i'm coming out here for this reason you
0: know yeah because you moved you moved out to a suburb i mean you were kind of in an inner city suburb like mm-hmm. it's a suburb but like it was it's not a suburb it's within the loop but like you moved out to a suburb like yes. 20 minutes yeah. outside of where you were right
1: correct yeah 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 i'm tucked into a little small town outside of a larger town now you know it's it's Most people just use it to get to other towns or they're going to somewhere else. It's, you know, it's so you've seen an
0: uptick since you moved out to a wider area, an uptick in the amount of times you get pulled over. Correct. Now
1: it has uh, it has gone down now that they know uh, now that I've got my ID and everything else was supposed to say that I'm there and that people are now kind of like they're kind of used to me. But before that, no, that was like, why am I here? Even want to go look at the house. I pulled into the, the uh, driveway to go look at the house. And the next thing I knew, the police pulled going through the drive. I went through the uh, neighborhood twice going around the block, watching me sit at this house.
0: Yeah. So you have a higher burden to prove of your existence. Mm-hmm. Then Ryan Holden, I would. I mean, yes, Dion. I saw you nod your head.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You're you're guilty until proven innocent. If you get that chance, uh, which is it's a weird way to live. Honestly, it's a it's a very weird way to live. I remember the the police conversation with, with my dad when I was a, a kid. You know, mm-hmm. this is what you do. Make sure your dome lights always on. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know. Mm-hmm. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. That conversation is real um, that you guys probably never had that conversation with your
0: your parents. No, my parents never. I mean, I don't know about you, Reinhold, but police, you know, police were just not a thought for us. You know, living in Plainfield, it was a very safe community. It was very insulated. You know, it was like the only time that you were to be afraid was if you were in a black part of town. (laughs) i'm not kidding you i'm telling you the truth like that was the only time like you weren't afraid of police you know we we got off the exit one time in our lincoln town car in 1997 and drove through south the south side of chicago and you're being told put your head down because we might get shot well what kind of message does that teach you about black people if that's the only time that you ever interacted with the black community is when you're driving through it and you lock your doors like, that tells you you should be afraid of the color of Dion's skin, of of Harry's skin. Like, I think that's a very real example of, of, you know, I mean, did you guys have anything analogous to that where you, I mean, is it the police conversation? Like, if you see a police officer, you should be afraid? It wasn't
3: necessarily that you should be afraid. It's just it was more of be careful
0: mm-hmm. because
3: mm-hmm. they could get away with doing things to you whether you were guilty or not. So it was just it was more of be aware of where you are, who you're with, what you're doing, Mm -hmm. and know what these people are capable of. Yeah, it it, it wasn't necessarily be afraid of this person. It was just be aware that these are there's a a higher chance of shit hitting the fan because of police being uh, around.
0: Yeah, we were always taught like if you're in trouble, go to a police officer, run up to them, you know, dare. Coming in and talking to you, and you know the interactions with the police officers was like watching an episode of Blue Bloods. You know everybody's there to help, and it's you know it, it, it's a totally different mindset that that we had towards state authority than you had. You know, um, so it doesn't just extend to police. So Deanna and I have talked about this concept called code switching, which I didn't know until he talked about it with me. what Can you explain code switching? What does that mean?
3: So basically, it's it's, um, de- it's, it's whitening yourself up to make white people feel comfortable with, with your blackness. Um, it's, it's not using slang in front of them. It's being quote-unquote professional. Um, it's just a way to navigate white spaces without ruffling feathers to, to, to make white people feel more comfortable with your blackness, basically
0: i mean harry is that something that you i mean you just are you like i don't i don't know that there's but i don't know are you different in different groups <laughs> um
1: no no i am who i am um uh, i get accused of that a lot they like you're just doing that so um like uh to appease the white people in your space you make white people comfortable and that's why they like being around you that no i'm i am who i am i'm a uh Just a black guy who's a huge, huge nerd, and I grew up in these areas. This is just how I am. I'm not, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't swear that much, and I don't really use that much slang. It's just, just what I do, you
0: know. Yeah. So another example of
2: that stuff is are people who change their names, right, or try to use names that sound more white than what they might have been given. You know, things like that. Little, little things that they do that I've I've heard happens a lot in that community just because they they want to be able to get a job and sometimes when Mm -hmm. you appear a certain way on a a job form but with your name or something that there's a feeling that that gets put aside and and they've done studies that shows that that happens right so people people apply for the job um to test out whether or not they get callbacks with two different names and everything else is identical on there and the more white sounding name is the one that gets called back and no. The other one doesn't. So I think that was a Malcolm Gladwell. Was well. that
0: Malcolm Gladwell or Freakonomics that wrote about that? I think exactly. it was Freakonomics. I not remember who it was, but um, it might have been Freakonomics. Making white people comfortable. <laughs> I guess, Dion, that's something that, uh, like, I, I never thought about, like, white people being comfortable or uncomfortable but comfort seems to be a high value for white communities does it not
3: it's the most important thing to white people is their comfort level when you move white people out of their comfort level they shut down immediately they either rage or they cry it's one of the two (laughs) um because they don't know how to operate being uncomfortable because everything is designed to keep them comfortable Mm -hmm. that's just the way the system operates is it (laughs) If if a white person has a problem, they usually can voice their opinion about it and it gets changed immediately. And if it doesn't, then you got people storming the Capitol. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you know, they they usually don't have to operate within the same confines as everybody else. I mean, look at all these 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 Karens who, who call the police on people who are just trying to barbecue or checking their mail or Whatever. It's like, oh, this person's making me feel a certain type of way. Somebody needs to do something. And so um, you know, the authority comes in and it it, it, it reassures them, hey, we understand you're uncomfortable. We will remove this uncomfort from you so you can return to your normal operating status.
0: <laughs> Harry, what do you think?
3: <laughs> All right, so yeah, I
1: see I don't yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I see, I see that especially like um, when I think when I first started like my professional career. Um, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I have a lot of bass in my voice. And I remember like I was told that I was making some of the people uncomfortable. Like they feel like I'm yelling at them, or I'm being <laughs> aggressive, or condescending. I'm like no either no either you know what you know or you don't and yeah yeah so i always try to like talk you know it's so like in my beginning of a career i was trying to talk softer and softer Like that's to, a code switch yeah to not appe- to appease these people around them to understand that okay they are you know i, I just don't want people to understand would
0: anybody like, Le- reinhold nobody has ever said anything other to me that you have a nice voice like you're you're I, I nobody has ever had that conversation where you like I'm making people uncomfortable like the dangerous black man is that sort of like the the root of that is that people just assume that because you're black you're a dangerous man
3: who are you asking
0: Dion go ahead
3: well yeah I mean the stereotypes are what what drive most people's fears because they have no experience. So if all you know about somebody different is the stereotypical things that you've learned through TV and books and, and, you know, people talking to you, then of course, that's going to be your first uh, mode of operating. So uh, Harry is talking about his voice. So when you, you first started doing the pat down with me and Pat, we were like, we would be animated. We would be loud and it was clearly visible that you were uncomfortable with that environment because and i thought to, you were yelling at me exactly and to us we're like no that's just how we talk it's it's it doesn't mean we hate you it doesn't mean it's just just a way of being animated and that's a
0: cultural thing right and and you know so well let I, me let me touch on that because in my world like the way that miss pat talks to me is like in the way that I grew up in like my white family if my mom talked to me the way that she talks to me I'd be in trouble I'd be a bad person like I'd be less you know like so I took it as man I they they really don't like me (laughs) you know (laughs) and then you know it, it took a period of weeks for me to kind of go no that's not the case they talk to you because they like you you know, I mean, it, it takes and that's what, where I think, you know, having friends of different cultures, it helps you have a different perspective and understand things differently because I was really uncomfortable and I thought like less of myself because of those interactions. Right. And that's where it all comes from. I was uncomfortable because I thought I was like being just this racist asshole and you guys and maybe I was and that's why I was making you angry. But I think that that fear and that discomfort is what keeps a lot of white people from having those conversations because you know, when you're on that, on that side and you don't want to have those conversations, like being called a racist is like the, you're told by all these cancel culture types and the intellectual dark web types, like to be called a racist is to be black holed or memory hold from society. And it's all over. And there's like, if you engage in these conversations, the, the, You know, the woke crowd is going to ruin your life and snatch everything from you. So you better just keep your mouth shut, not even have those conversations. And then so when you go into those conversations, it's really uncomfortable because you've been taught and conditioned to think that talking about race with a black person is an existential threat to you. And that's why I look at a lot of this cancel cultural stuff with a skeptical eye now because I realize some of that is just to prevent these kind of conversations from happening. And it's taken to a point where it's it's an excuse. It's an avoidance tactic to have a conversation and go through that period of discomfort. I mean, Dion, those first six months of the pat down was uncomfortable for me. Because I've never talked about race in my life, and all of a sudden I'm talking about race in front of tens of thousands of people. You know, right. I'm still uncomfortable with it a lot of times because, you know, you go look at the YouTube comments. There's people that called me a racist. It's like I'm not a racist. I'm trying to learn. It's just I don't I don't know how to have these. I don't have the words. Right.
3: So, uh, you know, people people fear what they don't understand. And if you don't understand something, it's on you to figure out why you don't. So I, I think. Um, you made a good point about people being afraid of being canceled. But at the same time, um, you don't necessarily, like, you have to own what you do. So you have to own not knowing, you have to own your ignorance. Like, I think that's what is a big misunderstanding when people say, Oh, they're trying to cancel me. It's like, well, they're canceling you because you're not, one, owning what you did, and two, you're not trying to make amends for it. You're just you're just saying you're a victim of something that you yourself did. And it's like, so you have to own what you did, and then you have to correct what you did. You have to show remorse for what you did. And if you don't do those things, and of course, people aren't going to forgive you. Now, I, I will admit that the internet and social media heightens things sometimes way more than it needs to be. They make things a much bigger deal than they actually are in reality. And so, again, I understand You know, people not wanting to have the conversation. But at the end of the day, you you become a better person by moving out of your comfort zone to expand your comfort zone. You can't you can't grow as a person if you never plant seeds elsewhere. Mm
2: -hmm. And I think it's part of the frustration, too, is that really, I think we just want people to understand that the situations exist, like the experiences that they experience, that they live through. Are real. They they're not made up. They're not some sort of scam or some sort of uh, cathedral propaganda technique. These these are are real things that are happening to people. And once you see it happening, once you witness it and accept that it is happening, that's the, that's the majority of the battle. Right now, we just got too many people who just are are shut down and refuse to even consider that this stuff is still going on that there's still, there's actually well, systemic De- Dion you made a great right.
0: point talking about QAnon people will get mad about things that they've never experienced in their lives
3: yeah so if you don't if you, again people oh i heard i heard i got new information what do i do with it and it's like well it's on you to figure out why you believe what you believe that's my like when I when I turned 18, I did a lot of soul searching. I I because I, I, I was very religious as a kid and as I got older, I was like, this just doesn't seem right to me. And so I, I started doing research. It was like, why do I believe what I believe? And it was like, oh, because somebody told it to me and I cared about that person. And it wasn't until I actually dug deeper, it was like, oh, there's more information that they're not telling me. And I'm having experiences that are contrary to all the things that I've been taught. So I had I had to make a decision: Do I just continue to be uncomfortable and live that lie, or do I go and dive deeper into a space that I, I don't know? Seeking understanding will make you feel so much better once you because it gets rid of the fear. If you if you don't have to be afraid of something and you can learn from it and you can understand it, there's you feel so much better as a person. So. For all these people out here who, you know, dismiss the the systemic racism because they don't see it, and it's like you have to ask yourself, well, why don't you see it? Why don't you know anybody who's experienced racism? What What is what is happening in your life for you to hear this information year after year after year? And yet to you, it's it doesn't exist. It's not real. It's made up. People need to stop bitching and complaining about it because it doesn't happen in your world.
0: Yeah, I think that's like the key, you know, the, we'll believe QAnon all day long and, and these conspiracies that can, are factually untrue, even though we've never seen that. But you can talk to literally any black person in your life and they'll tell you systemic racism is real. And then you'll go, that's not true. I mean, uh, Harry, you wanted to jump in before Reinhold so rudely cut you off. Go, go ahead
1: yeah i was just go to say that it's also good shows the power of being called like how powerful that tool is is calling someone a, a racist i think the a lot of the some the twitter mobs or the mobs online they also don't allow some people to come back from it like no matter what a means or apologize they do they do it they uh, it is shown um, it's never shown that someone can come back and learn and educate but that happens with the mob when you with your friends and you're having um, conversations and as long as you have good faith with this conversation and you're with a friend These conversations are very important to have, but the big thing is make sure they're it's it's make sure they understand that you're a friend and these questions are coming from a good place that I have questions. You know, I believe these things, they could be false. Can I, can I explain them? Because if they sit inside, they're just going to get poisoned, have them come out, let it have the light of day and have have true and real conversations. It's okay.
3: I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of what happened to Chris and I like, uh, I I didn't care for Chris at all when we first started doing a Pat Down podcast. I, I could take it or leave it. It wasn't that I hated him. It was just like I was indifferent. I didn't really give a shit about his growth experience. And it wasn't until Pat was like, I think he's got a good heart that I actually was like, okay, she thinks he's a good person. So I will give him the benefit of doubt. And then I learned, it was like, oh, he is a good person. He just, he hasn't experienced what we've experienced. And so that was the basis of most of your talking points is, is from a place of inexperience. And that's what I always find. Like when you have these race conversations with people, a lot of times they have zero experience in what they're actually talking about. And so it skews the information that they give you. It's like, Oh, how can you be an expert on something that's never happened to you? How can you deny something that's never happened to you? Because if you have no experience with something, why, why would anybody listen to you, your take on it? It doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, and I needed, you know, I think it sucks that you have to have these uncomfortable conversations, both of you. I mean, Harry and Dion, but if you didn't take the time and effort, I wouldn't grow as a person and I wouldn't be doing this show. I'd still be doing the same old shit that I was doing before. And we'd be talking about, you know, Gina, what's her face being canceled, even though she has a new movie deal with Ben Shapiro and Apparently, cancel culture's dead. like you know we'd be ranting and and feeling like victims on this show instead of having this conversation in front of thousands of people you know if you it, it you know and and dion i think from your perspective where where you kind of saw through that experience like i have to be somewhat uncomfortable too and talk about things i don't necessarily want to have to be reminded of
3: it you have to check your anger for people's ignorance like I'm 36. I met you two years ago, so I was 34, and I was like, "How can we be this age and you don't know shit?" Like that—that <laughs> <you know? laughs> that really bothered me because it's like, you know, I, I've had to deal with it. Why haven't you had to deal with it? Everybody says we're equal. Everybody says we're, but we're not equal. We're not the same, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's frustrating to have to teach somebody what you, your life experience what your whole life has been like and for them to not get it immediately is a very frustrating thing but in order for me to be a better person i have to set an example right so if you come to me with questions i don't help myself or any person that you meet after me that that's like me i don't help them by just shutting you down and treating you like shit so at some point we all have to get in that same room and talk to each other and we have to let the feelings of, of discomfort and distrust and anger we have to let all that go in order to grow as a group we, we if we have to suffer that together if i have to spend another half hour of my life being uncomfortable with a white person and explaining to them what racism is like and and the things that they need to be aware of then in the long run it's going to help me if i'm trying to create allies and that's what I try to tell people all the time, if you're trying to create allies, you have to you have to navigate where they are. I mean, uh, like like you, it took it took a while for you to get more and more comfortable. You're still getting I'm I'm still not
0: I'm still not totally comfortable. I'll be honest with you. You know, I mean, it's it's been two years and it will, you know. It's It's been a year. I've wanted to do this show for a year, but it still took me time to to get my brain around how to do that and how to present it in a way, again, white comfort and dealing with the fragility that comes along with that. Um, because when you challenge the status quo, I mean, you know, there's no doubt that my, my – um, evolution in terms of being more empathetic towards women towards black people towards immigrants towards the marginalized portions of our society instead of just doing the same old libertarian show that just tries to protect exactly what i had uh instead of getting uncomfortable it's there's been reputational damage there's been uh, somewhat of a diminished uh, amount of listeners to the show you you And I wouldn't even say uh, our numbers are pretty much where they were, but it's a different audience than it was a year ago. You know, in coming to a libertarian audience that doesn't want to talk about race because libertarians don't want to talk about race. If you go on our Facebook page and you talk about race, it is the biggest driver of engagement possible because everyone tells you to shut up. And it reminds me so much of like watching these civil rights films of like the white people who were in the South helping with MLK's bus boycotts and the other white people screaming in their faces saying, not now, shut up, stop talking about this. You're making me uncomfortable. I mean, I've had to get comfortable with the fact that I'm just going to lose some friends. I'm going to lose some allies in the libertarian space by having these conversations because, oh, you're woke and you know, I mean, there's discomfort in family. Like there isn't a white family. If you are progressive on race, there isn't a white person that is an ally that doesn't have a family member that they have tension with right now because they're t- trying to talk about this stuff, you know? So there, none of that is like a huge cost, right? But it's uncomfortable. It's discomfort, especially for somebody that wants to be liked. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Go ahead, Harry.
1: I was yeah. going to say, uh, Yeah. With, with Dion talk about like having to share that story. I get that a lot. Uh, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and I can do things that are considered predominantly white things. So like uh I went to let's see I, I skateboard, I play Dungeons and Dragons, so I go to Gen Con all, all the time and I end up going to all these conventions and it's it's sometimes I am the only black person in the room, okay it's it's sometimes it can be incredibly frustrating uh but when the because you have this lived experience and when something happens also you're out around you it's it's very important also what i've also learned is also to point that out i um when our our friday table that we do the walnuts that i when we did liberty and chill a couple weeks ago um we had that whole moment we were sitting there talking and discussing um oj simpson um ironically um and someone just assumed that we were talking about like getting Trump arrested and uh and they were talking about, and cuz it was just me my, my my black self and my cousin who's uh basically quarter black and they just projected the, the whatever they wanted onto us and mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just celebrated like, oh i'm so glad you guys are just together and just this unity and even like paid our freaking bill at, at the bar, which, whatever, you know, I, I'm going to spend like $40 there drinking and eating. And if you want to eat that bill, it, it was so, just, so do you want
0: me to cancel the foot washing that Reinhold and I have planned for the two of you at the yes, end? Where,
3: absolutely.
1: I don't know. Oh, we're,
0: man. We're okay. Well, we were going to honor your blackness <laughs> and subjugate ourselves to you. Uh, no, I think, Harry, I, and I think back to like the first, like, wall is different since 2018. And I, there's a reason it's behind the paywall. When you first came on the show, we made jokes at the expense of you being black, or we had gay co-hosts or female co-hosts, and we were very insensitive to that position. That, that you know, and I think back and I go, I, I just would cringe if I had to listen to that, and I don't want to, you know. Whereas now, I'm not going to point that out with a lot of jokes. We can have, as long as you're in on the joke, okay, fine. But like. You know, I felt like in the beginning when you first came on, we were we were differentiating you instead of making you a part of the group. You know, and I, and I don't know if you perceive that, but like I think back on some of that stuff, and I and I I regret that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I during that time, yes, yes. I always felt like, oh, I'm just that's why, like, I still kept my own podcast and did my own stuff because it's like I'm not a part of their group. I'm just this add-on i'm just an add-on to them which i liked it because you know i i did have fun hanging out with with you and it was awesome but i that part of the group of i I really never felt like i really belonged it was just just an add-on piece
0: yeah because those little jokes tell you you're different Mm
1: -hmm. Yep, each time but it's and it's not that like i falter because like i said like just uh, like i said you're a good person and i understood it And because even when i eventually said like hey like some when i watched you just go when someone said hey this joke makes me uncomfortable and you started shutting people down it's like oh he is a good person which if you just explain to him tell him he's 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 open to it you know yeah i think that, all go ahead harry i
0: was gonna say like not everyone at that time was but yes <laughs> <laughs> uh dion i think that's the thing you know when um I guess people will avoid the information we're talking about. They'll avoid learning about systemic racism or white privilege or any of these concepts, and they'll flee from it and screech at it (laughs) And, and throw a fit because they don't want to learn that information because once they do, they're responsible for something. So people engage in willful ignorance towards this stuff because they don't want to be responsible. And I guess... You know, and I've said to you before, what am I responsible for? Like, what am I supposed to do? Because I've said to you in the past on air, I didn't own slaves. My family wasn't in the South. They fought in the Union. What do you, what do I owe you? And I think you've explained to me, like, you owe it to check people, you know? I owed to people what I was already doing, but wasn't really conscious of. Like Harry said, when somebody said, "I don't like when you say this," and they had the courage to say to me, the leader of our group, "I don't like when you do this," and so we stopped. That's like the that's the minimum, (laughs) but like that's the basic thing. Like I think when people hear uh, when they hear this stuff, they think uh, there's something called replacement theory. And if you want to talk about the the critical Marxism of the left, let's talk about the replacement theory of the right, which is Charlottesville tiki torches, guys saying Jews will not replace us. They will not replace us. If you really sit down and listen to what a lot of these modern segregationists talk about, they're saying, do you want them to replace you? Because it always comes down to quote unquote them, right? Notice right. how often they or them is said and always ask, who's them? Who's they? Who are you talking about? And, and just go on Wikipedia and look up replacement theory, learn about it and then start to watch how much that creeps into, uh, right wing media. And you don't want them to get the leg up because they will replace you and take away your economic opportunity for you and your kids. And, and so, so it's no, not, it's not like, so it's not, um, what I hear a lot of the the black listeners of the Pat Down and you and Miss Pat and Harry saying, I want representation in society and equality, and what a lot of these, uh, the right wing media says is they want subjugation. They want to make you subject to critical Marxism, Dion. I mean, so break that down, like, once I kind of realized, like, oh, nobody wants to replace me <laughs> they just want you to treat people with empathy and respect i went i can do that okay so
3: here's where that replacement theory comes from um that comes from fear of repercussions for what they are actively doing now you only feel oh, well if we become the minority well then you're going to treat us the way we treated you because it would be only reasonable to think that if you've treated somebody like shit for 400 plus (laughs) years and then they all of a sudden got in charge you would think as you oppress these people that once they got the chance to oppress you that would be game on because that's what you would do
0: and you do see people who are on the you know let's say call them the woke crowd will say that on twitter and then that will be highlighted and screenshotted and amplified on the right saying look see we told you
3: yeah and that's if, if black people were out for vengeance and revenge we wouldn't have waited 400 plus years you know, so it, that to me, that is that is more guilt than anything. Like, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to face up to what I know I've been actively doing to people and that I'm going to have to reap what I sow. You were talking about losing listeners um earlier. And that's part of being an ally is is getting battle wounds. You say, how do you help me? You fight on the battlefields that I don't have access to. So you go to a place where I normally cannot go. And then you fight for me. You stand up for me. You open that door for me. You take that Billy Club for me so that in the future, when it's my time to go to that space, it's already been prepped and I can pick up my weapon and shield and fight for myself once I get in there. That's how you help people when you don't have access to Black people. So I always hear white people say, well, I didn't own any slaves. What can I do? It's like you can learn and then you can change. You can change the status quo for somebody even if they're not around so that eventually when it does happen because it's at some point it's going to happen we are outbreeding you guys whether you like it or not um so at some point everybody we're all going to be this big you know light-skinned group of people anyway because the mix of other races and you, you can't you can't take back um black dick and white pussy i guess you
0: can't, <laughs> once you've had it Harry, Harry, thoughts
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man a uh, couple of things uh one yeah if uh black people were g- really trying to replace and segregate white people we would have did it uh when obama was president you know we would have just replaced the, at that moment we had the power could have did it but we didn't <laughs> so you're welcome uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's um, and and also uh, Dion's talking about fighting, fighting figuratively, picking up weapons figuratively. Yeah, we're, we don't
0: want to end up in a in the congressional record in a Trump defense where <laughs> twenty minute loop of Oh, <laughs> fight, fight, fight.
3: That was the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever.
0: Seen. We're gonna talk about the the impeachment next week because I, it's so much deeper than we exp- like. We did the shows in August kind of telling you what was going to happen. It all happened. And then it all was tied in a neat bow the last four days. And it's like, I think it's the first time a lot of these Republicans have seen some of the footage because they watch right-wing media. And if people watch Mm -hmm. right-wing media only, if you think CNN is fake news, but you listen to Tim Pool and read the Epic times, you have no idea what actually happened on January 6th. And people are seeing it and they're going, Holy shit. Like Trump tried to kill congress members and mike pence so he could stay in power and i think this is not over um so we'll talk about it more next week but it was funny where it was uh you know listen you can't take trump's words to mean what they mean his words have no power but the leftist media is propagandizing it's like the cognitive dissonance is always hilarious and then they go you know he said fight but he didn't mean fight he meant it you know figuratively And you can't take him out of context. That's not fair. Now, here's a 10-minute video (laughs) video of of taking Democrats out of context. Like, I guess, like... The only
3: thing funnier than that was that they were serious. Uh Uh-huh. They totally (laughs) mean (laughs) it.
0: The, we'll talk about cognitive dissonance in a minute, but Harry, what was your second point
1: that was, yeah, no I just wanted to bring up that like, yeah, I think I lost it
0: that, that's <laughs> kind of like and, Dion, that's what uh, drives me and any one of you guys jump in but like the cognitive dissonance about all this stuff like I always thought Maxine waters, her rhetoric was wrong, that it was in a, that she's like generally kind of a buffoon and se- like says stuff that like I don't think makes sense, and so. My opinion hasn't really changed on that, but Republicans went from where I was to, well, Maxine Waters did it, so we should do exactly what Maxine Waters did, and we can get away with it because they did it. It's like, you know, Dion, like the whole, like, argument that Trump can have his people storm the Capitol is because you guys did it on the left all summer long. It's like the whataboutism on the right is the, the glue that is holding the right together.
3: I mean, it's, it's always going to be the false equivalency because that's the place of comfort that they come from. If 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 the people who stormed the Capitol were black Trump supporters, do you think they would have made it as far as they did? <laughs> that's what I think is even even funnier is like just just switch their skin color. They're they're still rioting for the exact same
0: reason. <laughs>
1: Harry he made a machine <laughs> gun. Would have money. Just been mowed down. It
0: just would have like, oh my god! Trump would have there had are the, pictures. Trump would not have taken four hours to get the National Guard there. He would have had it there ready to go. <laughs> you know, well, there are pictures
2: be- from from like uh, the police presence when they were starting the the Black Lives Matter uh, protests, and then the same, actually, the same area of the city and the police presence when they were protesting the masks and the lockdowns right mm-hmm. and there was like hardly any police the second time but the first time it was inundated with with police cars and police r- with riot gear ready to go right and it, and that's kind of the um the imbalance you see in the thinking inside the systems that people are trying to say doesn't exist
3: it's a two pronged attack. One, is to show black people we have power, and it's to to reassure white people their comfort that we won't ever let them do what you think they're going to do. We, we've got your. It's it's that two pronged attack of showing black people we are the dominant force. We will check you every single time, and to the white people watching, oh, thank God for that thin blue line. And it's like that thin blue line will fuck you up the second they get the go ahead.
2: Yeah. And look how much they respected the Thin Blue Line on January 6th. (laughs) Exactly. But
0: Dion, are you trying to invade my suburbs?
2: (laughs) No. I would hate to
3: live on the south side of Indiana. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I know.
1: South side. Gross. But yeah. You know, they don't want you there, but then they want your kid and their sports games. It's awful.
3: (laughs) That's to me, is what's really hilarious is how many racist people love black sports. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you, you hate them on the street, but you'll chill for them in
0: the gym? That doesn't make any sense. You talk about culture vulture and that concept.
3: Well, I mean... So Bo Derrick is a classic example. She put braids in her hair and everybody's like, oh, she's so sexy. It's like black women wearing braids in their hair for years. And y'all tell us that we need to cut our hair, make it short. And only thugs wear braids. But she gets Mm -hmm. the exact same style. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is so hot. We should all try this. And it's like, wait a minute, motherfucker. We've been trying to just be who we are. And you tell us you know, that this is, makes you feel uncomfortable. But the second a white person does it, it's okay. That doesn't make any sense yeah that's uh and
1: then that toxic stuff also gets into uh young black people's like heads like there's for the longest time like i didn't want braids in my head because like i was like well i'm a i want to become a professional i cannot put braids in my head like don't do that it's like and it's and it was so toxic to unlearn that as myself as, as a younger when i was younger it's like no one's gonna hire me with braids i can't have braids i gotta make sure my hair is short they, they won't hire me It's like oh heck no i've got tons of jobs with braids and you win my freaking afro out okay no you know you know it's because the, and and the jobs that wouldn't hire me with my afro or with my braids i don't want those jobs i don't want to work for those people you know it's
0: yeah so it sounds like societally you're not allowed to self-actualize in the way that you want to live your life because you've got makes this... people
3: uncomfortable yeah
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yep the uh other thing is with which is
1: just also weird from living out here now is uh, my wife's just started another job and uh full disclosure she's a white woman. <laughs> All right. Nice. And uh, so she's sitting at her job and she goes to sit there, brand new area, sit there. And she is just inundated with all these white people thinking it's okay and just starts talking and saying some of the most racist stuff yep. she's ever heard. It just goes, oh, my God. You <laughs> don't – you guys on?
0: don't – I mean, you know, but you don't know what people say when you're not around. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean <Yeah>. – <laughs> You know, and that's the, that's the thing, like, I think everything in life is, I will tell somebody, this person's not a nice person. And they will go, no, you don't know them like I know them, they're the greatest person. I'm like, no, but you're on the opposite side. Like, there's people in the movement, right, where it's like, no, they're not nice to me. They're really not good people. Oh, but I know them, I work with them, they're great, you just don't. You don't understand. Like you just you you're the pro- you're the, right. You're the problem because you're making an issue with them. And if you just were nice to them, then you'd get along with them. And I go, no, you really don't understand. This person treats people they don't like like shit. Well, you just don't understand. You just need to stop being a problem, and then it'll like I, I find that like the ter- <laughs> the test of character is how you treat people that you don't like or that have no power or. You know, I think that's where it comes down, where it kind of helped me connect some of this stuff, is like, I don't know what it's like to be Dion or Harry, but I know my white friends treat me really well, my white male friends, but when they're alone with my female friends, my female friends say they make them feel horrible or do terrible things to them. So this person's not a nice person. Like, you know, I'll never forget, like, we had one co-host who said, like, When I sit at my desk and I don't go to the bathroom because I don't want everyone to stare at my ass. So I hold my pee all day. So this girl is miserable all day long because other men want to make her feel awful with like, like, like basically dehumanize her. Right. She felt dehumanized. She felt like she was a sex toy. And so she had to be uncomfortable for their sake. But I'm sure all those guys think, oh, well, we're just great guys. Like, Tim's great. I love Joe. But she thinks he's a piece of shit because Joe treats this girl like shit, right? So I guess, you know, when other people tell you that someone's a problem and they're not a problem to you, it's because you're not the thing they have a problem with. I don't know if I'm making sense, Dion. Help me.
3: No, so... Like as, as I said on our, uh, now that's debatable. Once, once you get information, it's your job to do something with that information. Like information makes you grow. And so you, if if this woman pointed out that, Hey, I don't like this, you guys staring at my ass, she brings that to everyone's attention. And then everybody instantly gets defensive and doesn't put themselves in her shoes. Then now we all know that they are the problem. She shouldn't have to hold her pee all day in order to get through her day because she doesn't want people looking at her ass. Like that is a problem. And if she speaks on that and no one changes it, then you have your answer. That's the new information. Oh, I'm making someone uncomfortable with my behavior. It's incumbent upon me to change my behavior. And if I'm not willing to do that, then I don't have the right to claim that I'm a good person. You just don't have that right. You can still be the asshole who looks at her ass and makes her feel like shit, but you have to own that. And that's what my biggest issue with people is is they don't own the things that they are responsible for. So, I I I I can't figure out how to get people to to see that without shutting them down. Like that's where I'm trying to learn how. To, like how do I bring this person into this new information that they have? And how do I get them to understand? Like, this is what you should be looking for. These are the things that you do that you don't recognize that you do. Not necessarily doing it intentionally, because I don't think every single time it's intentional. But at the same time, once you find out that this makes somebody uncomfortable, you have to figure out how to to get rid of that so that they can be comfortable because you would want that same thing for yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, Harry, your wife going into that space where obviously if you were there, they would have a different attitude, Mm-hmm. But she has the ability to go into that space and check them and check their behavior and go, hey, this is not an acceptable. And I mean, I don't know if she did or not, but like that's an example of how to solve this problem and move on. Uh
1: my wife is very introverted and not much for con- con- uh, like uh, trying to that confrontation. So yeah. she mostly just kind of looked at them and was like, Unless she, she wants you to smoke weed, because
0: it. we had, she looked at one former co host and she goes, Smoke the doobie, pussy. She has the, <laughs> she has the softest, highest p- pitched voice. She's the nicest lady. And she just looks at one of the co, Smoke the weed. Pussy. <laughs> I mean, bullied, peer pressure this girl. Well, the fun thing, too, is
2: that she's got the moment now where she can be, be there for a couple of weeks, just let them keep going and keep going and then put up the picture of Harry or have Harry come by and, and the meet six pack. Her, pick her up and, and see the look on their faces when they go, we've been saying all this for how long? And uh, I don't know, maybe that's a way of doing it as well, but
1: She mostly just like looks at the uh, well, she just kind of gets up and like leaves when she says it, and just that's all she does, you know. It's yeah, she doesn't feel comfortable doing that, and it's I don't know how to, I don't know, like empower her so she feels
3: comfortable doing that, but because it's also not in her personality type to do that, so yeah, that's. You can't I don't begrudge people who who would rather not fight that fight. I I completely understand mm-hmm. it, but at the same time, those women are never going to change. It's never going to stop unless it's addressed. Mm-hmm. Um and how it's addressed is up for discussion, but at some point it needs to be addressed. I'm pretty sure if if those women knew that Harry was black, that they would definitely not be offering up their opinions on black people the way that they do. So, um
2: but it would only be in front of her. They would still do it when she's in the room. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not right. getting them to be aware of what's happening. It's a way for them to say, okay, I don't feel comfortable now because of this situation, but it doesn't stop the way they view things. But and that's and the worrisome part. Yeah,
3: them. And so in that moment, the moment she exposes them for who they are, they, they have a reckoning, right? They, they now have the information that, oh shit, I've outed myself to somebody. Now I have to deal with it and how they choose to deal with it, obviously will be up to them, but hopefully if they're, you know, willing to grow and learn, then they would take a second to maybe have a conversation with somebody that doesn't look like them.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think they're willing to learn. They're from Newcastle. That,
0: that town. Yeah. I think I, man, I think, my naivete is that everybody has a chance to learn, but I, I've I've sort of watched over the last couple of years just going, I, I guess if people listen to this show and they go, wow, he's really become like anti-conservative, anti-Republican. It's not that I'm, I, I still hold the same principles and values that I had four years ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. on, on, you know, on, on policy, right? It's just that when people will invent things to remain willfully ignorant instead of just having a conversation or dealing with a problem or examining themselves because they want to maintain control. I can't lose control. Like, I just, I have a hard time watching manipulators like Trump manipulate people and people are choosing to be manipulated and believe insane things to kind of stay where they're at instead of growing and then treating other people terribly to keep them in. And in, in, in one example of this is the impeachment trial, right? And it kind of goes down to the Dave Chappelle combo on SNL that we had off air. You know, it, it, why impeach him? You're just going to make things worse. This isn't unity, you know. And right after the election, Dave Chappelle went on SNL and essentially called a lot of rural people like meth heads, right? And I said to Dion, I go, man, this just isn't the time. This isn't the place. Like, this is just going to inflame people. Like, the tensions are really high. You know, why now? why now? Why now? Why now? Which is such a common refrain that Martin Luther King, back in 1963, wrote a book, you know, like, why we must have, I forget what it's what it's called, but it basically was answering the question of, we can't wait. Why we can't wait, I think is the name of the book. You know, Dion, that, that refrain of, we can't have this conversation now, let's wait, because you'll make these violent people be violent. It's such a shitty way to run a country.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you wait till you're comfortable to fight a revolution, you're never going to fight a revolution. So you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to go into that space where you're not going to be um, comfortable to – you can't grow unless you move, right you gotta go so you gotta go to your bones don't say the same size when you're a kid that they are as an adult, like you have growing pains like so part of growing is moving on to a place where you're not comfortable at some point you're gonna have to have a conversation where you're not comfortable. Nothing happens when you aren't actively trying to change them, so when people say, "Oh well, let's wait, Well, wait for why why wait because you're not comfortable? That's the only reason because you're not comfortable. Well, when are you ever going to be comfortable with the conversation that you don't want to have?
0: So what are the limits to all this? Because when you look at some of the conversation around what's called cancel culture now broadly, which started as like a a kid tweets the N word in elementary school and can't go to Harvard. Right. Like that. All right. I get you know, you were 13 when you tweeted that horrible thing. You're, you're you've grown. You're different, right? I'm on board. If you know, you tweet something 15 years ago, and you lose your job in 2021 at a at a newspaper in Iowa. All right, but we've we've gotten into this place where the right, specifically, but a lot of media is transgressive, where we know where the limits are, and we're going to do the exact opposite of the bounds of good taste because we want to be intentionally inflammatory, and then when people try to enforce the boundaries we cry victim <laughs> you go well like you made the choice to do that show that way or post that meme or do this thing that you knew was going to be offensive because your audience was going to love it that's not cancel culture those are called consequences but then there there is like i think somewhat of an argument that the right in this country that conservatives, uh suffer the the consequences of being moved off of social media of moved out of media at a greater pace than people who are on the left right politicians get punished like look at how republican politicians are treated versus andrew cuomo i mean what are your opinions on that dion i mean do you see that that um do you acknowledge that point or do you reject that so, so- social media there, there are
3: more democrats than there are Republicans. So of course they're going to get away with more because there's more people of like mind. And so you're less likely to check those people who are like you. And that's what part of being a good person is. is, You know, you got to check even the people who, in your group, who need to be checked, regardless of whether they're in your group or not. Like, you need to check people who do the wrong thing. So when I see Republicans talk about they're getting canceled, well, I'm like, your behavior is causing the cancellation. Like, what for me... When i hear somebody say oh you're on the left that that, that comes to social uh i'm a so- it's the way society operates that you know i i give you the proper pronouns that you want because that's what you want because it doesn't cost me anything to call you a they or a them or a she he whatever it does i that i have no problem with that and then you, you go to the right side and they're like well why do i have to change the way i talk to make this person feel comfortable it's like because it doesn't cost you anything and you're not losing anything. This person would feel better if you did that. And instead of being an asshole about it, you know, you just, you call them what they want to be called. Well, where does that stop? It, it stops right there. That's the only thing they're asking for. They're, they want to be treated like everyone else. And in order for that to happen, you have to call them whatever pronoun they ask you to call them. Like that's not a big deal. We can talk about policy as far as government, but at, at the end of the day, Everybody wants to be comfortable in society with who they are, and I think a lot of the problem on the right is, is they would rather th- themselves be comfortable than everybody else, and so that's where the fight is.
0: I mean, Reinhold, do you kind of – I mean you are you're the more uh, – well, you're a socialist basically, um, but when it <laughs> comes to cancel culture, you're one of the more skeptical people that I know of at all. Like where's the limits to this? What's the boundaries?
2: Well, I think the boundaries have to be pushed through societal limits, right? So it's, it's going to be a backlash against it. I don't think there, there are people talking about, oh, we need laws. to, And it's like, no, no, that's the, you're missing the entire point, right? So society moves and changes throughout history. It, it always has. It always will. And there's people who push the boundaries, and there's people who try to pull back on society to keep it from going too far. And you've got this constant tug of war. Cancel culture or canceling somebody has is not a new thing. It has been going on for generations right it 's just that different people were in charge of who was canceling who right, right. Now when we were kids are, it was
0: it was tipper gore and and Republicans right. hauling in. Twisted Sister, right? Majority,
2: you know, there were there were there were groups that were telling radio stations they couldn't play a list of songs, or they were going to be boycotted. That and and that's that's cancel culture, right? As as we hear about it today, it's always gone on, right? So now it's just the people who are kind of pushing society a little bit more right now aren't the conservatives. It's the it's the liberals. So they're the conservatives who were once doing this are now feeling very uncomfortable with the repercussions of of all of that but in at the end of the day there, you make a decision when you try when you when you say these things like um if you choose to put something out there and it's it's not well received or wrong instead of saying oh i'm sorry or i didn't realize or please for please forgive me it was a mistake they get defensive they try to double down and, and and that just makes things worse.
0: Well, that's what happened with y'all. Like Cliff, had, if so, there's this libertarian student group, and the head of it was accused of improprieties. And instead of handling it gracefully, went on Twitter and went full Trump and said, "This is all a lie. Everybody's lying. It's not happening." And that's what pissed everybody off. And all the responsible voices in the libertarian movement went, "Nope." Time for an investigation. I don't care if he's on my team. We need to look into this. Because, like, instead of handling other people's claims with grace and respect, it was handled with a, an arrogance, uh, a pushback, that, like, lack of shame. You know, it, it, that that's when everybody kind of went, all right, now nah, I don't like that. And you're not getting away with that. I mean, Harry, go, the ahead, and, go, go well, ahead. The other go thing ahead about right Cancel Culture I wanted
2: to say was – they, you know, we keep talking about cancel culture and these people getting canceled. When you've got people like um, Mel Gibson, the famous example of somebody who was canceled yet is now a for for uh awards, Oscars, uh, he's got his career back because he went out and he did the work to show that he was sorry for some of the things he had done, right? And he got back into good graces. So, Robert Downey Jr. was uh, going through a whole horrible situation right where he was waking up on people's lawns from from taking too many drugs and he was almost ostracized from the you know that community and now he's a huge star think of all the people who have been canceled over the years who are still working they're still making money they're still doing their things right um louis you know um louis ck he's out doing comedy again uh he's you know not he he took some michael vick when he yeah, my oh, don't even my wife would Let, kill me if we started talking Yeah, about well that, I yeah. think that's he's, what we talk so a lot about. Him.
0: It's what we talk a lot about here is the capacity for change, grace, mercy. Like there you have to allow for people to be human and you have to meet them where they're at and try to bring them to a better space. It's, you know, there but there has to come a point where you just say like this person's just an asshole. He wants to be an asshole. Like that's where I kind of break with a lot of the right In that liberty is not about the right to do whatever you want, treat everyone the way you want, use the government to treat others you don't like, to keep your economic position, and suffer no consequences for any of it. Like, there are consequences to actions. There are, like, even in a, a purely anarchist society, you're going to still have to have human relations and deal with people, and grace and mercy are going to be a part of that. You know, and I think it concerns people when there there isn't a a path to restoration, which I think is an incredibly important piece that often gets missed. It's like, no, because you did this Karen thing in the park, you're trash, and your life is over. And go over here without some sort of path to restoration. I think the right doesn't do themselves any favor by. Trying to freak people, like just say, see, 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 they're coming to get you. They're coming to get you. Mm-hmm. A- instead of being part of the discussion to say, what's the path to restoration for this person? You know, and the left does it too. If you look at left Twitter in some of these cultural issues, there's a lot of people who just go, "I'm not fucking with you." Bye. Hope you die. Literally, I mean, hope you die. You know, and I, so I, I just think there comes a point where everybody has to to meet somewhere in the middle and go. All right, you're a trash person, but you're our trash person. Let's walk you through that. I mean, Dion, you're you're um one one of the things I respect about you is you're very principled. You're usually right, and you're very pointed about it. And you just say no. This is how it is, and and uh, I'm much more of a a diplomat, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, and and I try to say no. That's okay. Listen, this clan's member. We can work through this with him. Uh, And you're like, no, fuck him. Burn him at the stake. Uh, But I mean, so where where do we meet in the middle? How do we deal with uh, some of this stuff? Because there's a lot of people who are listening to this going, I have a right to be a racist, to live in a free society and be a racist. And who are you to tell me that I can't believe certain things?
3: to that, I would say, I'm not trying to change your mind. I can't change your mind. Only you can change your mind. I can make it so that what goes on in your mind makes you uncomfortable in public spaces. I can't control what goes on in your house, but I can tell you that the majority of people want to be comfortable in public. And we can't be comfortable with racist ideologies, transphobic ideologies. You're not going to be comfortable in in public spaces. No one should have to deal with the hate of someone else. Like in public, that's for everyone. So you don't don't get to dominate that space with anything but civility. That's what should reign in public spaces. So I'm not trying to change a racist person's mind. I'm trying to make a racist person understand that they're racist. And what they do with that information is on them. At that point, once I've shown you who you are, it's on you to change if you want to or not. I can't control that. And at the end of the day, I'm not gonna really care as long as you're not in a position of power to control my life in any other type of way. What do I care if you hate me based on my skin color? I don't give a shit. That It's not going to affect me as long as you're not my boss. So at the end of the day, I think exposing people to who they actually are as people will will be the change that we're all looking for. When you really find out who it is, do, do you really hold the quote unquote values that you espouse to everyone? Do you actually hold those? Or is that just something that you say to make yourself feel comfortable? When you when you face uh, the opposition to everything that you know, you find out exactly who you are. And it's like, oh, I can't lie to myself anymore. Or I can keep lying to myself, but I have to know that I'm lying to myself. And that's where the change actually comes from. You talk about grace and mercy. Um, I don't give people the opportunity to screw me twice. Like, if you screw me over and you willingly screw me over and you knowingly screw me over, then... I accept you for who you are at that moment and that's who you're going to be until I see you change. And and even if I do see you change, chances are I'm still not going to want to deal with you because of that past scar that's never going to go away. So I I can I won't actively go out of my way to to make your life harder, but at the same time I'm not you're not coming to my barbecue, you're I'm not sending you invite to my wedding. Like that's you go live your life. I'm glad that you've made a
0: change, but I, I'm I'm cool. So as we move from a center-right to a center-left country, where is the space for Republicans, if that makes sense? like Is there, is there any legitimate claim that conservatives are victims of – like they're being treated like minorities basically? Is there any truth to that? Is there any um, space for, for all that? that makes what are sense? you
3: conserving? What, what what's what's the conserve the old way of doing things that made people feel like shit. What what are you concerned? I don't understand that. What tell me what you're trying to conserve. If it's money, then what does that have to do with policy? Just don't spend your money. So like, I don't explain that to me.
0: Reinhold.
2: Well, I mean, part of the problem you get into is when you say left center and right center is that what do those really mean? Right. So when we talk about, I get called a, a lefty, commie, blah blah blah, all that stuff, all the right, time. So. Even though I'm down the middle of the road, libertarian, one, you know, right down. Matter of fact, I'm a little bit on the right, according to the charts, whatever. But because I see people with empathy and I understand, you know, I try to understand what they're going through, and I, I, I concern myself with making sure that everybody's rights are protected, not just mine or my tribe's. Then I get called a leftist. So is that part of leftist society? Is just having that empathy? And what does that say about the right side of the political aisle if if that's not part of it, right? If that's what's differentiating people between left and right, right? So that's really the problem I have with with some of these labels and some of this thinking is that it's really still down to tribes against each other and and putting up blocks to seeing what's happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, to what is being conserved – When I see the meme, I see most often is the conversation we had today is the Trojan horse for socialism. That you're, you, if you, if you become woke on race, as they say, then you're going to end up like Bernie Sanders. Who's a millionaire? (laughs) (laughs) Right.
3: There's a lot worse people to be than Bernie Sanders. I don't like that, doesn't make any sense.
1: Go ahead, Harry. (laughs) It would be worse to be Bernie Sanders because it's Vermont. Have you ever been to Vermont? I, I have. I love Vermont. It, Vermont sucks. New Hampshire's so much better than Vermont. So much better. So much nicer. You get a <laughs> beach, okay? You get a beach. What does Vermont got? Chickens?
0: A that- library?
3: <laughs> they have a great comedy club the vermont comedy club it's fantastic
0: i think a lot of it is people make the mistake of tying politics to just basic human decency and treating other people like they're human beings and that's where i separate it i go dion and i can be on the opposite sides of you know healthcare, right like we both want the same thing we want people to have every single person to have totally affordable health care right we just have different ways of getting there because human beings are human beings and deserve to be taken care of like the value that we are are consistent on is we both agree that human beings are worth being cared for all human beings regardless of race color creed all that good stuff you know that's where i think a lot of the the right goes wrong is like they're trying to tie it to politics when the conversation we're having today is not about politics it's just about Right and wrong, and basic decency, and treating people well—it's not a not a, a, a Trojan horse to usher in AOC-style government. It's just well, yeah. nothing
2: we've talked about today or, or discussed is going and saying government must mandate this, you know, or yeah. you are not legally allowed to do X, Y, or Z. We're just talking about what people should be doing as as human beings, as as uh, self-aware, self-actualized empathetic human beings and I think most human most people are that it's just that they have their own self fears their self-doubts their own self-hatreds that are driving them to to block that empathetic feelings that they have for other people right and I think that's where a lot of this still resides now you know 200 years ago maybe there was a different case that we made uh, people were just ignorant and thought that there was that black people are actually different species or different people. You know, we know now that there's no such thing as race really. So to continue to be that kind of mindset these days is really driven more from a self hatred situation where you're looking at other differences in other people to try to say that that makes them less than me. So now I feel better about myself. Right. And I don't know how to combat that, really, other than just try to get information out and and get people to just admit that these things are happening and it is a bad thing. And we would like to make our society better. We should always be trying to get better as a society. And
0: um, sounds like communism I, I, to I, me. Yeah, I know. It, yeah. It, yeah. You got I mean, right,
2: trying to protect their. Protect the institutions, but the problem is, is that some of these institutions really need to change because there's they're still doing things the wrong way. You know, and what I'm th- trying, and, and that's why it gets me about libertarians who consider themselves like paleo conservative uh, libertarians is like you're trying to preserve institutions, but these are the institutions that libertarians historically has been fighting against. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and making and and not necessarily tearing down, but to make them better. Um, so I. Well, a lot of it's paleos. A, str- or a lot
0: of paleos view that the last two conservative institutions in the country are the military and the police. Oof. I mean, Harry, why did you say oof? Oof.
1: <laughs> the the, the so sort of like the, the the violent boot is what they want.
0: You know the militarism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, mm, that's and the militarism. Why? What, like to it's, to go back to what Dion said to to make sure that they're in power and you're not. Correct. Yeah. Um,
1: one thing I'm going to put out to my empathy to uh, guard up some of the uh, conservative and Republican buddy is I think it's unfair to attack them based on their name of saying cons- conserve. What are they conserving? To them, they feel like they're just conserving the Constitution and their time of of life. I think they have more into it, and I don't, and most and majority of conservatives you talk to they're not talking about trying to preserve racism stuff like that that i think that's a very unfair way to categorize um conservatives yeah like dale Um,
0: dale says on conserving things i think folks a lot of the time are trying to conserve the actual mechanisms and rule of law outlined in the constitution
3: stop right there okay the mechanisms and rule of law mechanically the constitution is racist as shit like like, the systemic racism is built into the Constitution. So that in and of itself tells me all I need to know. That is a system put in place based off what you look like. It wasn't until you amended the Constitution that people actually had rights and shit. So that in and of itself should tell you all you need to know. You're trying to conserve what? The status quo. The status quo doesn't work for everybody. And that's what we, that's the that's the position that we should be trying to fix. It's like, oh, you just want to conserve the way things were that worked for a certain group of people instead of everybody. You can't say that document that was that all men are created equal and own people at the same time. Like you don't get to do that. So why why in 2021 are we looking at this old ass piece of paper as if it's gospel? When, re, when in actuality, it has been the it, the the sole thing that has allowed this system of injustice to occur well it's in the constitution like yeah well the constitution is it it's not what you think it is for everybody
1: yeah yeah you could you could you could put that but that's not it's uh i uh, but to them it is there to, to a lot of conservatives i will say to some of them it is their gospel and i think just completely attacking it and going with that is
0: one, I, I don't, i'd and, argue oh, look, i i mean Yes and no, Dion. I mean, the the Constitution, when it was founded, was the first democracy in the modern era. And the rule of law was democracy for, who? For, for the white power at the time. Right. OK. But what white you power. what you've seen since then is the expansion of rights for a myriad of groups, especially in the last 100 years.
3: After how many people died? OK, they didn't, they didn't give that up willingly. It was a fight. Every 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 change was a fight. And mm-hmm. that's the point. That document made the fight happen. Right. Because they used it as a shield. Well, this is a piece of paper that we all think is great. And it's like, no, that piece of paper is not great for everybody. So why are you holding on to it so dearly? Because that's all you know. And when you, you 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 get new information and you're like, oh, no, that's that's not true because my life hasn't been that. Well, Your life is not everybody else's life and you need to accept that that's that's what's frustrating to me about what i when i hear people say conservatism because like in in my mind all you're trying to do is conserve your position within that document you're not thinking about the rest of the people that you live with it's like it's only about you and it's a selfish way of thinking like if you're not trying to help the people this is america right we're all americans Right. So wouldn't it be awesome if all Americans were good at something, if all Americans were healthy, how much better would our country be if everybody wasn't being mistreated and, and, and denigrated for what they look like? It's not like we did something to earn the position that we're in. It's just we look different like that in and of itself is a problem. And this document that, well, you know, this, all people are, are, are created equal, but we're not. Well, there's no such thing as racism anymore because we signed a, a law. I'm like, oh, so that just undid <laughs> 250 years of trauma? Oh, well, I'm, why did not we do that sooner? Like, no, it doesn't go away just because you, you make it law. People take it into their home. Like, If that's your founding document, if that's, that's your base, that's your center, that's your rock, then you need to examine that, what that actually means, what, what, what comes with that. Well,
1: it's not really like the rock. It's more of like if you think about it as a, if you think of it as a framework. And as it's shown, yes, people have died. People died building that um, that constitution, and people have died defending it, and and also helped changing it. It is that document has changed in the past to uh, to basically respect people's rights. Didn't give anyone any rights, just more of respecting the natural rights that you do have. Um, and it's such a a let's see, like a milestone just for human achievement, because before that, it was just divine rights of kings. We're talking about just the absurd idea just to say that, no, you who have no nobility can own land and can do what you say on your own land. That was a huge building block to allow to the society that
2: most people are seeing today, even to take down the the monarchy in Europe. Well, part of the problem is... I think a lot of people look to the Constitution as, oh, we just want to protect the Constitution. But they're really, I think, in their mind thinking is that we we want to support and defend the age of enlightenment and the ideas that were being discussed in and, and, and changing and transforming society. Uh, we've never fully implemented that ideal. I think we want to try to get there. And I think some people who consider themselves conservatives are more focused on protecting that ideal and not necessarily and they think the institutions are there to do that when they're not the idea is something that we've never put in place so there's no there's no golden age and that's a part of the problem with 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 fascist propaganda that if you do study that type of thing that one of the one of the requirements to do one of the things they do is try to build everybody into thinking that there was a golden age where things were good And now it's being changed. And these people are taking it away from us. It's never; It it, it almost never actually ever existed. Just people believe that it did. But if you go back and look at it, it wasn't that great. It wasn't what we envisioned with the Age of Enlightenment and the ideas of that. And that's what I try to fight for is try to get that. So like Thomas Jefferson's original um, Declaration of Independence was closer to kind of that idea and putting it down on paper than anything else was but then that got cut up and changed and everything else because too many people were afraid of losing their lifestyle and what about these people and Mm -hmm. everybody kind of put their own thing in there and muddied it up so we never had a good implementation of the idea that the best government is one that just lets that protects people from each other but otherwise lets them live their lives as they want right right yeah, and those same conservatives
1: that are upset at the way Dion describes you—that's your guys' best mess- messaging. That you guys are trying to talk about this, this bedrock of the arguments that are just like, no, trying to use that document to give people more freedom. This is this is how people think when you say that word, and, and it's more of they they need to work on that type of messaging. You know, this yeah. they always talk about like, well, we're trying to conserve. Like, well, tell them what you're trying to conserve and like why you want to open up mo- more freedom. You know, like the same argument that the uh, right always talks about, like being for the the for the uh like the military industrial complex or just doing like being against the drug or going for the drug war i was like listen how is that like if you really like respect the constitution then you're not for the drug war you don't want these adf crap you know this the or the dea this is this is the junk you know is like control that if you actually cared about that document or the spirit of that document you wouldn't want nowhere near it you know it's so you end up pushing out that mixed message. So you know you and there's you bad don't messaging understand. on
2: both sides here too, because cause there are people who, when they hear the phrase "white privilege," they immediately think that they're being told that they're they've had it easy in life because of blah blah blah. And it's not everybody's had their own journey and everybody's got their own thing. So. Um, It's just that I want to eliminate all the things that we can eliminate. And one of those things is being treated differently because of things you have no control over. Right. Mm-hmm. You know how you look, um, you know, any of that stuff. So and sexual orientation. Yeah. Yeah. Sexual orientation. You shouldn't. Let's, take, let's get rid of that because life is already hard enough for everybody.
0: Alien- so like alienation worse? in general is bad.
2: Right. So but but then but but the problem is, is that the the language that we use to try to describe that white privilege immediately sets off people who are already defensive. Right. So I think there's a problem with with messaging like another one was defund the police. Nobody was really saying defund the police completely, like get rid of the police. And that's what the people took it to mean. It was like, no, let's let's let other Mm-hmm. non-police organizations take care of some of the stuff that the police are doing so we can let them focus on the one thing that they should be doing. You know, right. It's, so it, it's, 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 uh, it's a problem with communication, I think, and, and labeling and, and messaging. It's that fear. It really needs to be fixed. It's
3: yeah. a fear behind the idea of defund police. I'm afraid that if the police don't have money now that, that my life's going to be in jeopardy. It's a fear. Right. The, the whole white privilege thing I think is really, really funny because I've I played poker in Lebanon back before the um, uh, pandemic hit. I used to play poker. For
0: those who there. don't know, Lebanon is uh, central, northern central Indiana and white as me.
3: It's, yeah, it's a super white town. Um, and I played poker at, at what the American Legion. Um, so oh there's, a, th- there's a lot. <laughs> when,
0: of, is uh, it like reverse Animal House when you walk in, the record goes...
3: <laughs> <laughs> At first, I thought that's what it was going to be. I got invited there by a, a, a friend on Facebook. He's like, we play poker. I was looking for a place to play poker because I love playing poker. So I go there and I, I, I see the stereotypical aspects of white people. I'm like, oh, there's a guy with skull over there, a cowboy boot hat guy over there. And in my mind, I'm thinking... Just be prepared, and it wasn't until I actually got to know these people and talk to these people and play with these people that they they are like everybody else. Now they don't have a lot of access to black people, and I was that one black person. And thankfully, I'm the type of black person that's not going to. Um, I'm going to give you the opportunity to to learn from me if that's what you choose. I'm not going to initiate it, but if you if you start a conversation, I will talk to you. And so, I have a really really good friend now thank god that he didn't he didn't know about it It was kind of like you chris he didn't know what i went through and through playing cards and talking to each other we become close because he is a good person and he just didn't know so when, when we talk about white privilege you know he, he goes I'm, I'm a white guy but i've had to work hard my whole life i go that's that's not the privilege that we're talking about what we're talking about is the obstacles that you don't face based on what you look like. White privilege isn't, oh, your life is grand and easy. It's, oh, your life is not harder than it has to be because of what you look like. And that's what black people suffer, is our black skin makes our life harder based off what we look like, not who we are as people.
0: But you had a black president. What are you talking about?
3: Yeah, and look, look how long that took and look how hard we had to fight for it. Like... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was talking to somebody on uh, the nonprofit show Now Hear This and it wasn't on air, but um I need to find somebody to kind of speak to it. The the housing discrimination that still goes on in the realty industry towards keeping black people out of certain neighborhoods is not that much different than it was fifty years ago. And they were just meticulously walking through all of these different things, and I was like Oh, I thought it was way better than it used to be, and they're like, "Not at all." It is still hard to get into certain neighborhoods if you are a black person. I'm like, fuck. Okay. And it and it's a
3: it, that's fear driven. It's all fear driven because you don't understand that black people are the exact same. We're the exact same. We want the exact same things. That's the why, exact same things.
0: That's why Harry on his housing documentation to get into the town he lives in, it was Harry Miles Standish Price. <laughs> the third junior esquire
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. Uh, um, I have a very white sounding full name just want to put it all down on document and uh, have a very white credit score so (laughs) it's easy for me to uh, get a house where I want it
0: that's the first before you came on I said uh, would it be funny if I introduced you as Harry Price and (laughs) since you weren't there and Dion goes no and I don't have his kind of money (laughs) Hehehehehehe <laughs>
3: I, I told him, Harry, I said, that would offend Harry if he had my bank account. <laughs> He'd be offended by that.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sure we have the closest to the same bank account. No, I guarantee you. Don't, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The, the poker, the online gambling, no. Uh,
3: Gary, you are doing much better than me.
0: Much better uh, than me. All right, let's give final thoughts. Uh, Reinhold, Harry, you go first. Show uh, Dion how it's done. But Reinhold, final thoughts for the episode.
2: Uh, final thoughts is just that my biggest concern with, you know, kind of like the, the returning community or just society in general is that we really need to come to a point where we can as a group see what's going on and at least admit that things are, are the way they are, right? And and not reject it out of hand. And that's what I hate most about the phrase wokeism is because it's a it's a phrase designed to keep people
0: It's ignorant. a trivialization. There's a lot of trivialization and marginalizing of ideas and people that talk about certain issues to keep other people away from engaging in those ideas,
2: The other thing would be white knighting what you know some people would say what we do is white knighting, and because we're trying to interject and try to make it, it's just it's all a mess, and it's all language designed to keep people in my opinion ignorant so uh, what we can do to fight that, I don't know, but I think we should really work towards it.
0: Harry.
1: Um, one thing I think we also talked about, like uh, having people having the road back, uh, I like to bring up uh, like uh, Daryl Davis of uh, the uh, black man who uh, got two 200, 200 KKK members to like throw away their hoods and stop you know and and left the clan Uh, making having those conversations with those people and be able to give them that road back it's and it's complete it's really important um it even gets it's so important that he was even brought up in the art of war like when you go to fight someone you have to give them the ability to surrender and to say no because you know you have to putting someone on death ground makes them even more makes them very can get very violent or um um, even if they Depends perceive them. they're on death ground, they 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 act in weird and un and, and practical ways, and things can be torn down and hurt. Uh, the Let's see. The other thing I also want to talk about is uh, so, 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 to help Dion out. Uh, every time he also talked about fighting or anything or even revolution, those are peaceful ones. Okay. Don't want him to get on, Like You're right. We don't want him to get on some cut tracks. So. <laughs> the one time he comes on here and he just gets cut
0: up. And it's like, <laughs> Violent black man just being violent all over the place. <laughs> Mr. Violence over here. Dion Curry. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's pretty much at the top it time I've got.
0: Dion, final thoughts and shameless self-promotion. Where can people follow you and final thoughts?
3: All right. So uh, my final thoughts are on black history, on, on the word black itself. Research the negativity in that word, where it comes from, why you feel the way you feel when you hear it. Research the negative aspects of all the things that make you feel uncomfortable. Find out why you feel uncomfortable when you hear woke why you hear defund the police, why you, what makes you uncomfortable about these things? You need to find the origins of that so you can start to heal that process. A lot of people don't look at the reasons why they think what they think. And I think that's very important. If this, these kids and you, these parents in Utah didn't want their kids to learn a black history, they need to investigate as to why they feel that way. You know, then they have a choice to make, again, Daryl Davis did a great job. I'm glad you brought him up, Harry, uh, Mm -hmm. of reforming these clans members. But that's not the life that I want to live. I don't like I don't care. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't do that. I don't I don't care to change your your mind. I want you to change your mind. I just want you to know who you are. Like, I I will accept you for who you say you are. But I will explain to you why I think you are the way you are. Then you'll have to deal with it As, as long as it's not affecting my life financially or physically, I don't, I don't give, I don't care. You're not in charge of me. I don't care how you feel. Um, so that's what I would encourage everyone. Just, just be ready to accept who you are and what you, what you are and the reasons why you are the way you are. Be ready to accept that. So once you accept it, you can actually change it. You can't change it until you accept it. You can't, what do they say? You don't know you have a problem until you acknowledge the problem. So if you want to find me, I do three podcasts. Now that's debatable. It's on all podcast outlets. It comes out every Wednesday. We do a Facebook live show every Monday night at 9 p.m. I do a podcast with a um, fellow comedian, BT, called Sorry We're Canceled. That's out on all podcast outlets. That drops every Tuesday. And I also do the Pat Down with Chris Spangle and Miss
0: Pat every oh Every Tuesday. <clears throat> uh I would recommend the book the new Jim Crow I mean if you want to start you know f- have a conversation if you've got a br- black friend in your life start there I mean that's where I started with Harry and then Dion and um Abdul's my black friend, but that didn't really count uh and then <laughs> he's kind of establishment though my my oldest brother hates him
3: with a passion <laughs> oh I be, yeah right
0: <laughs> he loves to troll i I learned everything from him um Yeah, The New Jim Crow is a good place to start if you want to kind of learn more about the the systemic racism piece and sentencing and policing. It's it's, it's a really solid book. Um, I I think we're in a moment where if – I don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept of Thucydides' trap. So as one great power is fading and another great power is rising – they clash. And so I forget the the guy who uh, Graham Allison, I think wrote the book, he's a Harvard professor and, um, and he, his premise is America versus China. And as America is starting to wane and China, China is starting to rise. will they go to war because Athens and Sparta, as Sparta was declining and Athens was rising, they fought wars against each other. And so, There's this principle in history where most of the time there's conflict, and I think we're in a moment of cultural Thucydides trap as the white-centric culture is fading and multiculturalism in America is starting to rise. You're starting to see these culture clashes, Uh, and it's not going to stop because as – like we said, as whiteness starts to fade more and more because – Millennials are like 40% um, uh, uh, multi-ethnic, that's the word, Uh, 40% multi-ethnic. You know, it's even higher in Gen Z. So it's it's just that the racial lines are getting blurred, but there's some people who are just hell-bent on keeping those racial lines in place. They've already lost. Uh, So just get comfortable (laughs) with these conversations, like, because it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, the demographics are not on your side. So that's why we wanted to have this conversation. If you found it useful, please share it with your friends. Thank you, Dion, for coming on the show. I'll see you at 1 o'clock.
3: Sounds good to me. Thanks for having me.
0: I call. I, I had to take myself out of the chat because Miss Pat called three times. Hey, what are we doing the podcast? 1 <laughs> o'clock. You didn't tell me that. I said, I thought Dion told you that. That's who I, I ordered. Did. She goes, no, he didn't. And you didn't tell – you didn't uh, – he, he, did one you tell o'clock the,
3: was her idea <laughs> <laughs> she said one o'clock uh
0: so yeah and uh, we're talking about three thirty on monday too before i forget but anyways yeah that's just it's so so fun to get together with miss pat and dion and have those conversations i'd love for you to check out the pat down it is not all these heavy conversations we probably have like three of these a year now um but most of it's just So fun to do so it's a great comedy podcast if you want to uh just check that out be ever grateful harry reinhold thanks for joining us all right i'll just go fuck myself thank you so much for (laughs) listening to the chris bangle show and we will see you again on tuesday